Welcome to Iron Sharpens Iron, a program by Catholic men for Catholic men. My name's Matt Palmer. I'm so pleased to be here in the studio of St. Gabriel Radio, one of our partners on this program. And I'm joined by my co-host, Devin Shad, Fathers of St. Joseph. Devin, good morning, brother. How are you? Good morning, Matt. Good, good. Fired up for the show today. Yeah, we are, uh, we're so excited. We're going to be talking here in a couple minutes uh, with Coach Rich Donnelly. And uh, men out there, he has a powerful story to share, and we'll hear that in a minute. Um, but Devin, why don't we start, uh, would you open us uh, in prayer? Yeah, absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus, we desire, we want to know you. We know that knowledge of you is everything, and we want to know you, and then we want to be like you. So please help us uh, as we have this show today to come in contact with one of this, you know, a great man coach to hear his story and take away that one thing that allows us to know you better. That one thing that we can implement in our lives today. Um, and just Lord fill us with your spirit so that we can become the trusting sons of God, the father, the husbands, the spiritual fathers, the spiritual leaders that we're called and destined to be. We ask this of course, in your most holy name, Jesus, Mama Mary and St. Joseph, pray for us. Pray for Amen. us. Amen. Amen. Of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Well, uh, listeners, it's going to be a treat today. Coach Rich Donnelly is on the air with us. Morning, Coach. Good morning, guys. How are you doing? How was Thanksgiving? Good one? Nice and quiet. <laughs> there you go. As we record this, uh, we're just coming out of Thanksgiving and stepping into Advent and beautiful season of the of the church's year. Uh, well, Coach, uh, let's start. Uh, our listeners are going to need to get to know you a little bit. Um, I'll preface by uh, telling all of you that uh, Rich, Coach Rich Donnelly is from the Steubenville, Ohio area. That's eastern Ohio. Uh, and uh, that area of Ohio and western Pennsylvania, which kind of nudges up right beside it, is a, is a longtime area of, uh, of sports, of some famous athletes. Uh, it's a it's a, a mining and coal and steel town that's fallen on some hard times in recent years. It's also a, a place where abundant Catholic faith uh, has flourished over the decades. And, you know, Coach, you're going to be sharing a little bit of your story. Why don't we start a little bit with just, you know, your childhood and family, and um, we'll kind of move through that quickly. I want to get to um, more of your life as a father and a coach, uh, but let's start with just growing up there and tell us about your family and your faith and how you grew up there. Okay, yeah, I was born here in Steubenville 77 years ago, and uh, I was born into a, a Catholic family, one brother, one sister. My brother went to Notre Dame, and I was fascinated at an early age by the Catholic faith because I wanted to be an altar boy. I thought that was the neatest thing in the world, and uh, became an altar boy, served Mass every day uh, of my childhood, and actually— uh, I had a very bad stuttering problem, but the only two places that I didn't stutter were on the altar and on the baseball field. And those are my two favorite places still of all time to be in church and on a baseball field. So, and I was, uh, I had, I had a patron saint, St. Jude. I said my morning prayers, my evening prayers. I thought I might be a priest until I figured, I found out they didn't have a baseball team at the seminary. So 
Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I don't know if I can do that, but I'll, I'll do the best I can. So anyway, like you say, I served. I, I, I used to on Sundays when I was little, I'd take a loaf of Italian bread and I'd cut it into little circles and I'd say mass. I was about eight years old. I'd say my own mass in the basement by myself. I got our Bible laid it down from the book and I, I did the whole mass. And I, I would call up to my mom upstairs and I said, if anybody wants communion, uh, come on down. And uh, they just laughed at me. They thought I was crazy. But I did. I loved it. Uh, I was I was just fascinated by the, by the Catholic faith, by the mass, that, by everything. I was a pontifical server, which means I served for the bishop, John Muzio, here. And uh, we got to wear red slippers on the altar and white gloves and i thought i was the king man i thought that was the, the best thing in the world so i love this that, so that was my childhood as, as far as that then i then i in high school i ran into a who who became my idol and my best friend and my hero a guy by the name of dan abramowitz who you guys all know who played for the new orleans saints and dan and i grew up uh about the same way we we wanted to be uh we wanted to be in the big leagues. He wanted to be in the NFL and I wanted to be in the big leagues and we played every day. And then I went to, and then he talked me into going to Xavier university and we went down there. And again, we'd go to mass every day and, and everything was wonderful. <clears throat> and I thought, boy, this is easy. Uh, this, this life is going to be a lot of fun because we're, you know, we go to church every day and boy, we're this and we're that. And then all of a sudden, uh, we got, uh, we got side sidetracked. Danny went way out of the way out of his way to get, get away from the church. And I went what I call in baseball. I went out of the baseline to get away from my faith. <clears throat> and we both did. And we both got, and we were so, it was funny that we were so, we were so Catholic. We never thought this would ever happen to us, but it did. And we needed something to get us back in the, in my case, to, to get us back in the baseline and that's where, uh, I, after I got into pro ball, played some pro ball, coached for 52 years and, and 32 years in the big leagues. That, along this journey, uh, the, our story, The Chicken Runs at Midnight, came into, came into being. Yeah, and I, I want to repeat that. The Chicken Runs at Midnight, and, and listeners, you'll hear that in a moment. Let's pause for a minute, Coach. Um, beautiful story so far. <clears throat> Devin. I'm just thinking about as we're listening to this, uh, you know, what reflections do you have about uh, the childhood and then obviously um, how, how we all, uh, how Satan can move us from that kind of deep faith uh, and practicing of the faith to a place where we're, uh, as Coach said, you know, way off, off base, out of, out of the field, off the field. Yeah, I, I just have one question. Why, you know? Um, having that childhood faith, being fascinated, being in love with the Lord. Why did you and Dan leave the church? What caused that? Well, I think it's like, uh, and this is probably a bad bad analogy, but when you're little or whatever, uh, or you're on a diet, well, you're not supposed to eat the, the cake and you're not supposed to eat the pie, but it looks so good and so delicious. And uh, you know you're not supposed to do it. And I, I have a great friend who's a coach at Alabama, Nick Saban, and he told me this. He said, in our life, what what we do, on one hand, we know we're not supposed to do something, but it looks so inviting. 
And we know we're not supposed to do it. We know it's wrong, but it's so inviting that we can't resist the temptation to do it. And that's what happened in Danny and and and, and my case. All this other stuff that that we never experienced, uh, it just looks so inviting and so much fun that we uh, we became uh, I don't know weak and uh, and we wanted to experience it and that and and that's what happened. And when we experienced it, then we we totally lost the faith that we had when we were little. I want to um, I want to make sure that we're getting to the second part of your uh, story, so then we can move on to, to really sharing with the men out there how uh, what encouragement we can give for them. But I think we, you know, Devin, I'm like you. I'm sure I'm hearing uh, a, a a Garden of Eden story. I'm hearing uh, the story of the fall that is in all of our lives. Um, um, but you're right. It's uh, these falls are dramatic, and um, they're always we wonder why, and yet we, at some different level, we look back all the way to Adam and we understand why. Um, let's keep going, Coach. I want to I want to move on to your family life uh, while you're coaching in these years. Talk about your children and and begin to move us to um, a difficult part of of your life. I want to make sure they hear uh, our our men out there hear this. Okay. Uh- yeah, I married uh, my, my first wife, Peggy, in Cincinnati. Uh, we got married at the cathedral. Uh, went on to have three boys and a girl, my daughter, Amy. And like I tell people in all my speeches, everything was wonderful. We had a two-car garage, beautiful house, four kids. But And I was hopefully on my track to my dream of getting to the big leagues. But on my way to the big leagues... I developed an ego, which was through the roof. And I did anything possible to get to the big leagues, including uh, disregarding my wife and my children to get to the big leagues. I was so selfish that no matter, I would, in other words, I know you just asked me, why did you go the other way? Well, that was part of the deal. I thought that that was the way to get to the big leagues was following these other people who were telling me to do this, this, and this. And instead, and, and knowing better, knowing that I shouldn't do this, I shouldn't have the lifestyle that, uh, that they had. But I thought that was a lifestyle that would get me to the big leagues. And that was my dream. Uh, it took 37 years to get to the big leagues, but it only took a couple of years to, to ruin, uh, to ruin, my, uh, I don't know, to ruin the, the way I should have been. Yeah. You yeah. know, I want to get so, to the, I, 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 go ahead. Yeah. I'm just reflecting a little bit. I can, um, I sense, yeah, obviously the kind of the lamenting that all of us can look back on our lives and see those, um, those stages. Um, Devin, I think this is a story so far that rings true for all of us as men. And I know in your work, with fathers of St. Joseph. I mean, this is, this is the journey that most of us find ourselves on or have been on. Yeah. I, I, I love it because it's just a reminder of each of our walks, but I, I think that's the answer that is really enlightening is I was following others to get what I want. We all have that thing that we desire, that thing that we'll sell out for, you know, and, and, uh, the big legs was yours. And we all have those. And uh, 
and there's a there's a way that man knows that is foolishness to God. You know, as the proverb tells us, uh, man thinks it's a way that's wise, but it's foolishness to God. And I think we're we all fall prey to that. So I, lo- I want to continue on here, but I think that's super insightful. Yeah, I do too. Um, and coach, I want to I want to uh, really pretty move us right now to the chicken rides again um, because I think it's why don't we move to that story and let's get that out in front of our listeners. Uh, okay. So just kind of start, kind of just start there, um, so that we can understand that aspect of your journey. Okay, 1992. I'm a coach with the Pittsburgh Pirates. I coach third base. Everything's wonderful. I'm coaching for my favorite team that I grew up with. We have a great team, a great manager, Jim Leland. And uh, my kids are in Arlington. They're back in Arlington, Texas during spring training. I'm in Bradenton, Florida. 1.30 in the afternoon, the phone rings. It's my daughter, Amy. She says, Dad, I have something I have to tell you. I have a brain tumor, and I am sorry. And when I heard that, uh, that really got me. She was apologizing to, to me for getting a brain tumor because she knew how that would affect me. Five days later, uh, she had the operation. They found the tumor behind her eye and they told her, they told me and her mom that they could not get it out and she had nine months to live. And I was mad at God. I went out into a parking lot, almost screaming. I was mad. Why her? Why not me? What, why, why are you doing this to her? And I, I was just so upset. And again, I was off track with my faith. So, uh, I, I wasn't in a right state of mind. How old was Amy but at that time, coach? He was 17, 17. Okay. Thank you. And uh, they told her she had nine months to live. And anyway, we go through the season and, uh, she's getting her chemo down in Dallas at the children's hospital. And I'm in Pittsburgh and, I, I told her that if we get in the playoffs, she's going to come to the World Series or come to the playoffs. So I had a buddy fly her up and her friend Cindy come up to watch the fifth game of the playoffs. And uh, after she had a ball. And after the game, we're driving back to the hotel and she reaches around my neck and she says, Dad, when you have a man on second, you're coaching third and you cup your hands. What are you telling those guys? A chicken runs at midnight or what? And we just all start laughing, like, Amy, what the heck is that? Where'd you come up with that one? And all my boys were laughing, and Cindy's, her friends, laughing. And we never thought anything of it, but it became our family motto for that whole summer. Well, yeah. The chicken runs at midnight. I I didn't say it right earlier. The chicken runs at midnight. So this is just Amy's nonsensical advice. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so it goes on, and and then – now we go to January and, and and we got beat in the playoffs and we didn't get to go to the world series and uh, January of the next year, 92, she, 93, she lapsed into a coma and she passed away uh, January 28th, 1993. So we chose to honor her by putting the chicken runs at midnight on her tombstone and it became our family motto. We just, you know, every time we laughed about it, we still didn't know what it meant. Had no idea what it meant, where it came from. So five years later, uh, we leave the Pirates. We go to Florida with the Marlins. And uh, halfway through the season, we acquire a second baseman who's now the manager of the Chicago Cubs, Craig Council. And he had a batting style where he held his hands real high and flapped his arms like a chicken. So my sons, Tim and Mike, nicknamed him the chicken. I didn't know it. 
but during the season, you know, they say, here's a chicken. I go, chicken? He goes, yeah, great counsel. He flaps his arms like a chicken. Okay, okay, fine. So lo and behold, we get into the World Series, and we're playing the Cleveland Indians, and uh, it goes to the seventh game. I'm coaching third base. Craig Council gets on third base. 78,000 people screaming and yelling. And uh, Edgar Renteria gets a base hit up the middle. We are the world champions. Complete euphoria. Uh, I'm jumping around. I think they told me I grabbed the police horse and I kissed the horse. I, I don't know. I don't know what I did. I'm trying to find my son's, my son's Tim and Mike. I'm going crazy. I'm jumping around. Everything you've wanted to do since you've been seven years old. Yeah. And I, uh, I see my son, Tim, and he's out around second base, and he's screaming. He's crying. I said, what are you crying out? We just won. What's wrong with you? And he said, Dad, Dad, look at the clock. I said, what clock? What are you talking about? The stadium clock. I learned to turn around. It was two minutes after midnight. He said, Dad, the chicken ran at midnight. Yeah. The Craig Council, the chicken. And I went, oh, my God. And I dropped to my knees. And I did. I felt like a bolt of lightning hit me. And I needed something in my life to shake me, to grab me around the shoulders and shake me. It goes, what the heck are you doing? And that's what I needed. And I couldn't believe it. I could I, I, I really didn't believe in miracles growing up. I really didn't. And I said, I can't believe this. This happened. Great counsel, the chicken, scored a winning run at midnight. Exactly like Amy told me, Amy said. And uh, from that point on, uh, I, my job as a third base coach to wave people home. Well, Amy became my third base coach to get me back home in my mind, to get me back to my faith, home to get me back. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, 25 years ago, my coach got me back home. And I don't know if I'm all the way back there yet or not, but I'm sure I'm trying. And I said, I owe a debt to so many people, uh, but I owe a debt to Amy. And I said, I would... For the rest of my life, I would tell people how great she was, which, how unselfish she was, how she taught me how to live, how she taught me how to die. I always say Jesus, he, he talked a lot in the Bible, but his best thing that he ever did was show people by his example. And my daughter showed me by her example how to be. She never told me, Dad, you should do this. Dad, you should stop running around. Dad, no, she showed me and... I tell people all the time, that's the greatest, that's the greatest, uh, uh, that's the greatest example I could ever get is getting shown how to be instead of getting told how to be. Yeah. Coach, thank you for, for sharing this story. It's, um, there's out of this, these ashes of your life, this tragic loss, there's this beautiful new birth that happened in your heart and, um, the Lord used your daughter and I'm just, I can't, I think we're all kind of just sitting here trying to take it all in. Um, we've got seven or eight minutes left here. I want to, I want to transition a little bit, but I want to invite Devin to kind of react a little bit and help, help us Devin think about how the Lord so often, um, uses our suffering to, to awaken us, that his love is so great that he, he, 
takes the sufferings in our lives and, and does something beautiful and new. Help, help put some context around this for all of us. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, I don't know if I can. It's such a powerful story. Um, Coach, I love it. And it just kind of reminds me of just the way the Lord works. You know, uh, I, especially it's like you see it with St. Peter, there are things in our past where we've made mistakes or things from our past where, uh, like the whole story where she's like, dad, what's that with the, you know, the chicken running at midnight, that kind of thing. And, and everybody's laughing, but then it's that idea is resurrected later on. And it becomes this turning point. You look at Peter with the charcoal fire. He's following Jesus closely. Jesus is apprehended. He is being unfairly tried. Everything is incorrect in the way that they're running the judicial system there. It's totally unfair. And then they're beating him. And Peter denies his Lord three times, even as courageous as he is. But it's around a charcoal fire. <laughs> and there's only one other place in all Scripture where there's a charcoal fire. And it's after the resurrection, and Peter and five, six others, I think, are fishing. And they think that there's this man on the shore. They're not sure who it is, but they believe it's Jesus. And Peter swims with his cloak on 100 yards in. And he gets there and there's a charcoal fire. Wouldn't you know it? And Jesus just happens to ask him three times, if you love me, for the three times of the denial. And I think that's like a lot like your life, Coach, is like there was this event years ago, oh. <laughs> years ago. And then, boom, the Lord gives you that grace because of your son. Hey, I, I, and that I always moment did. is there. It's yep. resurrected. St. Peter denied him only three times. I denied him about 103 times. Yeah. So, well, uh, and I also lost, giving you the chance. <laughs> I also, yeah, he's given me plenty of chances. I also lost my son, Michael, who uh, saved a girl's life on a highway. He pushed her out of the way and he was hit by a car trying to help. So I've lost my son. My other two daughters were at the Las Vegas shooting and within a bullet, uh, within two inches, I would have lost them, but, but the bullet hit the girl in front of them, and, and they laid down and saved her life. So my, my kids have taught me more than I have ever, could ever, ever, ever taught them. Yeah. And it's straightened. I don't know if it's straightened out in my life, but it, by example, it showed me the way that I should be. Go back to where you were as a child as far as your faith. And, I, and I'm, I'm hopefully I'm on that track. Coach, we've got a few minutes left. Um, I want to start right there. Um, you've got men. We have men out there listening that um, are hurting. Uh, they may still be in a phase of their life that you were in years ago when uh, you were seeking something first in your life other than the Lord. You know, for you, it was the big leagues. And for some of the guys out there, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's the job or money or power or prestige or sex or whatever, whatever is ruling their life. Um, and, and you've, you know, you've gone through a lot. God's brought you through a lot to, but he, he loves you so much that he wanted you for himself. And, and the suffering is part of the journey. Talk to these guys for our last couple of minutes. Um, yeah, what would you, what would you best. say to other men? I tell people, I tell men all the time and like people have told me and I've learned it from Danny, my, my best friend, don't be afraid to be a Catholic. Don't be afraid to show your faith. Don't be afraid. You're, you're, you're not, I used to think, well, you're a sissy if you're, a, if you're a church guy and you're a man of faith. No, it's the other way around. That is the only answer to all our problems. It's, it's, it's the Lord. It's not money. It's not big leagues. 
it's not anything it's it's the lord and if you if you can show other people again by your example be be compassionate i pl- i pay i pray for compassion every day I, pl- I i try to help people out by example and i would tell other men don't be afraid don't be afraid people will listen to you your kids will listen to you your wife will listen to you show people we all know the right way. There's right and wrong. We all know the right way. Don't be afraid. I was afraid to go to church. I used to crawl, sneak to church to, during those days. Don't be afraid to be a good Catholic person. Don't be afraid to do that. Yeah. Uh, you'll be so much better, and and your example will be shown to everybody you meet. Devin, I'm thinking about your ministry to men uh, and helping them understand true, authentic masculinity and Coach is starting to put a real face on that, um, to live our faith, uh, to be compassionate, to be men of mercy and men of love. Help, help us a little bit with um, putting some additional context around Coach's um, encouragement here. Well, I mean, I, I just, more than anything, heaven rejoices over one sinner who repents and the 99 who are righteous. And God rejoices over Coach you know, in his life. And and the truth of the matter is, is that raising a child raises a man. When we enter into fatherhood, and all of us, spiritual fatherhood, biological fatherhood, when we enter into fatherhood, that's like a rite of passage, or at least it should be, for us to take on sacrificial responsibility, because the sacrificial responsibility really is the attribute of the real man. He, 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 he takes, he understands that he is responsible for the salvation of others. What's ironic is the Lord arranged it through your children, coach, that you would be taught the best lessons in life, and now you're passing them on. And I think that that's the way it is. You know, we look at our children, see, I call it the analogy of fatherhood. You know, it's like me as a father to my child, and I just switch it around, and I'm the son to the father. I learn lessons from my kids. Like I look at what they're doing, how they're reacting to me. Maybe sometimes they're checked out. Sometimes they don't want to pray. Sometimes they don't want to love. And then I ask myself, as that child of the father, God, father, am I like them? And sure enough, he's like, yeah, you are. (laughs) So that's where we learn the compassion is we realize, oh man, I'm just like my children. And so our children can teach us so much, both negative and positive. But yeah. Heaven rejoices, man. Heaven rejoices. We'll, let, we'll, we'll end it there. This has been Iron Sharpens Iron. We're so grateful for all of you out there that joined us. It's a ministry of Catholic men's ministry uh, here in the Diocese of Columbus and Fathers of St. Joseph uh, uh, in connection with St. Gabriel Radio. Coach, so thankful for your witness, your testimony, and so uh, we praise the Lord for what he's done in and through you. Um, continue blessings uh, to you and your family and your ministry. and. Man, let's live uh, this beautiful faith. Take care. We'll see you again soon. Thanks. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, guys.